Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The East Palestine train derailment. Norfolk Southern will pay for cleaning up the mess that they created. President Donald Trump visiting with officials and people here today. The Biden administration taking away the basic right to apply for asylum if you get to the U.S. border. A massive winter storm taking aim at the country's midsection. Ash Wednesday opens the season of Lent. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for an Ash Wednesday, 46 days before Easter Sunday. Uh, Cousin Eddie, Joe did it again. He's a stumbling, bumbling man. What happened? Yeah, <laughs> he tripped up the steps again. Yesterday we were talking about a reporter or somebody on his... Uh, administrative staff, falling down Air Force One steps. Uh, Joe was walking back up Air Force One, getting ready to fly out of Warsaw when it happened again. It wasn't as bad as when it happened the first time uh, at um, Andrews Air Force Base. But if you're watching online or on Cable 7, Joe goes up the steps. And he wasn't he wasn't running up the steps. You know, He wasn't doing the Joe Biden, hey, look at how macho I am. I can... I can do this uh, half-run deal. He just was slowly walking up the steps, and uh, there he went. So, you know, last time they blamed it on the wind. I don't know what they're going to blame it on this time. It was dark, but the light of the steps were clearly well lit. So, poor Joe goes down again. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll see uh, if uh, they come out with another excuse for Joe. But Joe, by the way, as you know, is... Uh, he just chronically has foot and mouth disease. Uh, we've played before you a number of clips. The time he talked about how you can't go into a 7-Eleven. Uh, you can't work there unless you have an Indian accent. Uh, he came out and talked about how Barack Obama was the first articulate, clean black guy to run for president. Uh, that was, And then Obama turned around and picked him to be the vice president. Maybe he had already picked him by that point. I don't remember. But anyway, he's over in Poland, and uh, he tells the Polish president that he really wants to relate to the Polish people, so maybe he should add a ski, an S-K-I, to the end of his name. So it would be Bidenski, <laughs> good Polish guy, or add an O to the end of your name. Uh, Joe is, uh, you're a hoot, Joe. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but I mean, he always wants to relate to people. He always, I mean, remember he was down in Puerto Rico uh, not too long ago, and uh, he, he talked about how that there was a big Puerto Rican community in his home politically, uh, which I've been up in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. I don't remember that, but uh, maybe there is. Um, he said, as a young man, I was born in the cold town of Scranton, Pennsylvania, in northeastern Pennsylvania, an Irish Catholic neighborhood. When uh, Cole died, we moved to Delaware to a, cal a town called Claymont, Delaware, which was a working-class town. But everyone in town was either Polish or Italian. So I grew up feeling very self-conscious that my name didn't end in ski or O. Joe, you have a way of uh, embarrassing yourself. Just saying. 
But we've got two more years of them. I guess we'll have two more years of them if he doesn't fall down the Air Force One steps and break his neck. I'm just just saying. Uh, Former Governor Sarah Palin from Alaska, um, she has close ties with Donald Trump. She came out yesterday. This is weird. Uh, And it's just just odd, and it's inappropriate. Came out yesterday and says she does not think that Ron DeSantis of Florida should uh, run for president. He should not run for president in 2024. But if he waited, Sarah would then support him. I'm sure that will uh, weigh heavily on his decision, Sarah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Sarah Palin will support me if I wait past 2024. DeSantis doesn't need to run, she said. I envision him as our president someday, but not right now, Palin told Newsmax Eric Bowling. He should stay governor for a bit longer. He's young. Uh, He's older than you were when you ran for vice president, Sarah. Um, He has decades ahead of him where he can be president. He does. I I don't disagree with that. Uh, Palin said he's Trump, who endorsed her midterm campaign, that he has the best chance at winning the GOP nomination. He might have the best chance of winning the GOP nomination, but the question is, we got to look down the road, does he have the best chance of the candidates that are good candidates? I'm not talking about just picking anybody, but find a solid candidate who's the best candidate that can then win in the general election. And I think you've got you've to bring that into your equation. Quote, when you talk about the specific people, the individual people who are looking at putting their hat in the ring, They've got a lot of guts thinking they're going to go up against Trump, she told the outlet. Palin also dropped hints about who Trump should pick as his next running mate. Quote, Trump needs to choose somebody who, like him, has nothing to lose. What more can they do to that person personally or verbal attacks or anything else on the family? That person has been through the ringer, so they know what they're getting into. That person then can just focus on what's doing right for the people. I would say that sounds like she is promoting herself, which a Trump-Palin ticket would not be smart politically. Uh, In fact, I would say it would be political suicide. Nothing against Sarah Palin, but uh, that would be uh, too much in, in one ticket. Uh, I, I, I think you would need to have a, a person with the abilities and the intellect of a Mike Pompeo on the ticket if uh, you want to have a, a, a solid ticket. When Bowling asked if indeed she was describing herself as a potential candidate for the vice presidency, Palin said, well, not necessarily, while laughing. However, <laughs> there it is, however, I'll tell you the opportunity that I had to run with someone who wasn't as common sense of a constitutional conservative as I, and I think the majority of the Republicans were, but still having the opportunity to form a team like that in running, in offering ourselves up in service to America. Oh, my goodness, no greater honor, no greater opportunity, she added. She's, she is... Uh, yeah, she is very much, very, very interested in being the uh, running mate of Donald Trump. I, I, Sarah, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I, I really do not think that is going to happen. Uh, I've been wrong before, plenty of times. Palin suffered defeat twice in 2022, losing to uh, Representative Mary Patella 
and a special election to represent Alaska's at-large congressional district. Then again, in 2022, midterm elections as she's ran for the full term in the seat. DeSantis is considered one of the potential frontrunners in the 2024 GOP presidential primary, despite not yet entering into the race. The Florida governor recently hinted at a, a run when asked if uh, he would be entering into the race after United Nations Ambassador Nikki Haley launched her campaign, telling the reporter, wouldn't you like to know? And again, I hate to uh, burst Sarah Palin's bubble, but for her to give advice to Ron DeSantis is like the middle school football coach giving advice to Nick Saban on how to coach the Alabama Crimson Tide. I'm sorry, Sarah. I, I, I think... Uh, Ron DeSantis, I, I just, it, uh, as as much as uh, you might think you have credibility, I doubt if Ron's going to call you up for consultation. And I'm sure he would be happy to have your vote and your endorsement when he runs. But I don't think you endorsing him down the road, if he ran down the road, I don't think that's going to sway his decision. Now, he might not run, but sounds like he is. I mean, you don't start a... Uh, countrywide tour touting how well your police department is doing, which they are doing very well. And, of course, he's recruiting individuals as he's going on. Uh, You know, that's the official explanation. But uh, you don't go visiting other states and making speeches unless you are getting ready to announce. By the way, uh, a new announcement last night. It actually happened on uh, Tucker Carlson's show. Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, his parents were immigrants, he is author of Woke Inc. Um, sharp guy. Now, I, I think it, this is extremely, uh, uh, very, very, very much a long shot that he would uh, <laughs> even get traction, get get too far down the road. However, um, he will get some name recognition for for his for his hard work and running, and I think he could actually. Um, turn the conversation towards issues that are important to him. In an interview with Axios, Ramaswamy said he will be focusing on addressing what he views as America's biggest challenge, a national identity crisis that has left America adrift. Quote, America today is so hungry for meaning and identity at a moment in our history when things that used to fill that void of purpose, be it faith, patriotism, hard work, family, you name it, those things have disappeared. And, you know, he is, this is important. This is good. And this is why I hope he stays in the race for a while to get this conversation going. And I would say that this is also something that Ron DeSantis does bring up quite often. But listen, those are the things that made America what it is. Those are the foundational issues that that made America great. Faith. And listen, it wasn't exclusively the Christian faith, but the Christian faith was, I I would say, the 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 catalyst that everything else ran by. And other faiths were welcome. Patriotism, love for country, willing to die for the the principles that our country was founded on, hard work, (laughs) you know, not this victimization ideal, family, and a commitment to the family. I mean, how many issues, how how many billions of dollars do we spend a year because of -of out-of-wedlock births, 
and and the breakup of the family. I mean, how much has that uh, contributed to the poverty that so many fa- so many people are in because the family has fallen apart? Those things have disappeared, he said. What the conservative movement needs to do is more than just criticize the poison that fills the void, but fill the vacuum with a vision of American national identity that runs deep, that it deludes these other religions from wokeism to Islam, he said. And again, I have said this over and over again. I don't think we had anyone that did it better than Ronald Reagan. I will say that Donald Trump is probably second in in that uh, category of being able to cast a vision of what America could be. Now, I think Ronald Reagan's vision was really uh, closer to what uh, Ramaswamy was talking about here, more so than Donald Trump. But again, we can't, as, as conservatives, we just cannot leave it to... Telling, telling the American people how bad and how wrong the other side is. They are bad, and they are wrong. But we need to cast the vision. We need to, we need to remind people of what we could be if we follow these ideals. And if, if we focus on that over and over again about what we could be, people will recognize that, huh, that's not what the opposition says. The opposition doesn't doesn't talk in those terms, and I, I I do think there there comes a time where you have to point out what is wrong. But let's especially in the campaign mode, we need to cast a vision for what we can be as a nation. As I say, Ron DeSantis, I think of all the candidates that are, I mean Donald Trump did it well as well. But I think right now in terms of the other candidate that is really uh, a carbon, co- you know, it re- reflects a carbon copy of what Ramaswamy is saying here would be Ron DeSantis. Uh, he went on, Ramaswamy went on and told Axios that he views Russia not as the greatest geopolitical threat to uh, America, but rather China. Um, we'll see. I, again, I think the overall discussion that he brings to the table is, uh, is important, and uh, we need to... Uh, we need to uh, listen to uh, candidates like that. Again, a lot of candidates are going to be running. Some will be running because uh, they want to get their profile up. Some will be running because they very much believe in what uh, the ideals that they embrace are right for America. And uh, But I, I do think guys like Ramaswamy, uh, as he enters into the uh, discussion, and this is the political discussion and the political debate, if he gets so far that he can actually make the debate stage, I imagine with as many people that potentially could run, you know, it's going to be an interesting debate. Are we going to have another situation where we've got a two-tier debate or you've got to have a certain percentage in the polling to make the debate stage? Depends on how many people run, but that's entirely possible. Hey, we've got to take a time out. Stay with us. More news and views for our Wednesday. Ash Wednesday continues right after this. Collection of question marks. A lot of questions. Why? How? No logic, no reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare. Worst nightmare of their lives. This long nationwide nightmare. We'll start collecting clues as to the whys, the what's, and the where's. Neighborhood by neighborhood. Literally knocking on doors. This is your worst nightmare. The nightmare. It would be a nightmare. Worst nightmare. We will not end the nightmare. We'll only explain it. Explain that. Because this. This. This is News and Views with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back again. And uh, right now it's Tom and Clark. Benny will be back with us uh, tomorrow. Again, he's got a... uh, Tax 
business, among other things, as an accountant, and uh, he's staying rather busy these days. Uh, taking a quick look at your weather forecast, partly cloudy tonight. The low is only 66, so you can actually crack open the windows tonight, get a little fresh air in the house. Tomorrow, sunshine and clouds mixed, a record high temperature expected at 83 degrees. By the way, it got into the 80s today, and uh, it was nice out there. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy, a low of 64. Friday, partly cloudy skies in the morning will give away to cloudy skies in the afternoon, a high of 73. So pretty nice now between now and Friday. Unfortunately, uh, on Saturday, the high is only going to be in the low 50s with uh, rain likely throughout the day on Saturday. Sunday, the sun comes back up, and we uh, do get out to uh, 66 degrees. Uh, looking towards next week, though, back in the 70s again with lots of sunshine. So uh, all in all, you can't complain. Uh, today is Ash Wednesday, and interestingly, it is also National Margarita Day. <laughs> so depending on which direction you want to go, uh, wouldn't they have done better to make uh, yesterday, Mardi Gras Day, uh, National Margarita Day? Just saying. Anyway, uh, lots to talk about today. Uh, Joe Manchin, we were talking about the uh, uh, presidential election before the break. Joe Manchin came out earlier today and said he has narrowed down his options concerning his political future in the 2024 election cycle, where he is up for re-election. He announced today that he will not be running for president. A lot of people have thought Joe would be an interesting uh, Democrat to run for president. I mean, he, he would be, and I actually think he would have a chance to win the presidency if he ran as a Democrat, if he could get the primary. And that's the problem, is he's not woke enough. Uh, his his rhetoric, anyway, comes across very much like uh, a, a moderate to conservative Republican. As Rand Paul says, his problem is uh, not what he says, but how he votes. I mean, he talks like a Republican. And again, West Virginia is very much a red state. He is a Democrat. He's a bluer. But... Uh, they very much uh, voted in line with uh, Donald Trump's ideals. So he says he's going to run for re-election. And again, remember some of the things that he did. He got on board with the uh, uh, Inflation Reduction Act. He got on, on board with a, a number of things that only Democrats voted for. And uh, had he not voted for some of these things, they wouldn't have passed. He needs to really, if he's going to be reelected, and he realizes, I've got to get right with the people of West Virginia if I'm going to win this re-election. There have already been people out there that said they're going to run against him based on the fact, again, not his rhetoric, but his voting record is rather liberal. It's going to be really interesting to see what he does. In fact, it will be interesting to see if he does not switch to the Republican Party. Now, I'm not going to do uh, backflips if he did switch to the Republican Party, because quite frankly, I think he would be a rhino. He would be in, in the category of a Mitt Romney, perhaps. Maybe not that bad, but uh, somewhere near to it. Um, again, there are Republican candidates ready to unseat Joe Manchin, and, and uh, including Representative Alex Mooney, who's in the House. Um, represent uh, Republican Governor Jim Justice. He's considering running against Manchin. But uh, today, he said he's not running for the presidency, but it does sound like he has uh, decided that he will run again uh, for re-election. The uh, two-term 
senator and former governor of the state, wouldn't say if he decided to run for sure for his uh, Senate seat, but uh, does sound like that is what he is eyeing. He's definitely not going to run uh, for the presidency. Maybe he will. Uh, maybe he will just bow out. Won't run, but I would be surprised. I, I, I would be more surprised if he, if he didn't run. I'd be more surprised on that decision than if he decided to try to uh, switch to the Republican Party. Uh, earlier in the week, Kevin McCarthy has turned over 41,000 hours of previously unseen footage from the U.S. Capitol on January the 6th, 2021. 41,000 hours. How do you get 41,000 hours of video from an event that lasted 24 hours? I mean, how many <laughs> how many cameras did they have going? Uh, for two years, former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and the January 6th committee uh, kept the footage away from public viewing. Wouldn't say why. I can tell you why. Because the footage would be counterproductive to their narrative. That's why. Former House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff, Shifty Schiff, who McCarthy recently stripped of his Intelligence Committee assignment, because you've got to have some intelligence to be on that committee, Adam, uh, has repeatedly uh, said that, um, well, he, he pulled them because he repeatedly lied to the American people. Uh, he said, McCar uh, Adam Schiff said of McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy turned over the January 6th videos to right-wing propagandist Tucker Carlson a man who spews Kremlin talking points, suggests that the January 6th was a false flag and spread the big lie. Make no mistakes, this isn't about transparency. It's about fueling dangerous conspiracy theories. So if we see something on the film, on the videos, that uh, counters what you've been lying to us about, uh, Adam, we should believe you and not the video. Um. And by the way, you say that Tucker Carlson spreads the big lie. I, I don't know of any evidence. Could you come out and, and point to something specific? Because uh, I don't know of anything that Tucker Carlson has said that is the big lie. I don't know that he has said something that that you have proof that he is a, lied, a liar over it. Um, but you, on the other hand repeatedly lie. Rather ironic that you of all people would accuse someone else of spreading the big lie. Uh, of course, Adam Kinzinger, he's also going gaga over this. Not gaga in a good way. He's, he's crying more alligator tears. Um, remember, Kinzinger was the guy who tried to sell signed copies of the January 6th committee report on Amazon. I wonder, other than his mother, who might have bought one of those. Uh, anyway, Tucker Carlson said his uh, producers are going to go through the footage and will write in uh, or check in with findings in the coming weeks. Listen, no matter what, I, I mean, you're going to hear, I, I promise you, when they come out with video that is counter to the narrative that the January 6th committee tried to shove down everybody's throats, you're going to hear, oh, they've, they've, uh, you know, they've gone in and they've edited the videos so they show something that what didn't happen. Uh, you're going to hear all kinds of accusations against Tucker Carlson and uh, Kevin McCarthy. But kudos to Kevin McCarthy. I think this is a great move. 
I mean, and listen, saving taxpayers money. I mean, otherwise, if he hadn't given it, copies of this to Tucker Carlson, how much money would the American taxpayer had to uh, fork over to uh, go over these 41,000 hours of video? Again, I don't know how you come up with 41,000 hours of video, but uh, they're going to go over it. We'll find out soon. By the way, the U.S. Capitol Police declared an all-clear earlier today at the Cannon Office Building. Officers discovered a suspicious package, evacuated the area. Uh, they apparently cleared out the office building, all the personnel that were in the office building, and they saw this suspicious suspicious, suspicious package. Uh, they never said what it was, but they said all is clear. Pete Buttigieg is back in the news. Transportation Secretary Pothole Pete he apparently snapped a photo of a journalist from the Daily Caller News Foundation after refusing to answer questions about the ongoing disaster in East Palestine, Ohio, because he was taking some personal time. Jenny Terror caught up with Buttigieg in Washington, D.C. Pothole Pete was taking a walk with his husband. Jenny asked him a series of questions about the train derailment and the chemical fires, uh, what he might say to the local residents, and uh, he basically refused. I mean, some think about this. This would have been a great opportunity to uh, have Pothole Pete mend some finches, actually show some compassion, and you know. But but instead, he was glib. He was arrogant. And he was also trying to intimidate this reporter. Here's the audio from the video that was put online. Cut one. Secretary, what do you have to say? Hi, how are you? Good. Jenny here at the Daily Caller News Foundation. What do you have to say to the folks in Ohio, East Palestine, who are suffering right now? Well, I've referred to about a dozen interviews I've given today. And uh, if you'd like to arrange a conversation, uh, I'll reach out to our I do, and I shared it with the press many times today. I'd refer you to those comments. Would you mind sharing it with us? No, I'm going to refer you to the comments that I made to the press because uh, right now I'm taking some personal time and I'm walking down the street. Are you going down there? What's that? Are you going down there at all? Um, yeah, I am. When are you going? Uh, I'll share that uh, when I'm ready. Okay, thank you. Can I, get a, can I get a photo of you? Yeah. So at the very end, he says, can I get a photo of you? Uh, you know, he said, I refer you to about a dozen interviews I've given today. What what interviews that, that you said anything of substance to the local people of East Palestine? Because the message you gave was, when, when we get there, we're going to have some action. And then he also tried to vilify Donald Trump, who went there today, was hand, handing out pallets of water, among other things. But he vilified Donald Trump as saying, wow, it's a showboat. Yeah, it's a photo op. Remember, uh, speaking of photo ops, do you remember, it wasn't that long ago, we hadn't been in, in there that long, but Pete Buttigieg, on the way to work, took an SUV up to about two blocks within his office, the SUV pulls over to the side of the road, they pull a bicycle out of the back of the SUV so Pete Buttigieg can ride a bicycle to work, not from his home. 
from two blocks away. But he's going to lecture Donald Trump about a photo op. Listen, Pete Buttigieg has abdicated his duty on this train derailment for 20 days. And he can't take two minutes to answer Jenny Tara's questions that she asked. Perfectly legitimate questions. And again, he could have used this to his benefit. He could have really bought some, some credits, which he is in desperate need of, by taking this out. And quite, quite frankly, you know, instead of being the arrogant ass that he is, why not actually come out and, and heaven forbid, apologize? Same, you know, I mean, it, just think of all the, the kudos he would have purchased for himself if he said, Jenny, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Because, you know, I, I've, I've got to admit, I've blown it. And uh, I, I should, should have been more compassionate, should have been more aware, and I blew it. But no! What does he do? He tries to arrogantly act as if she is infringing on his personal time. Now, this is the same guy that has... You know, blown the the, uh, the the bottleneck in the transportation and distribution of goods. He was the guy in charge. Blew that. Uh, he had to take his paternity leave. He was nowhere to be found during the airline fiasco of uh, over the holiday season. But uh, Joe Concha, Fox News contributor, he writes for the uh, New York Post. Um. He said, you know what, this is what happens when the mainstream media doesn't do their job. In other words, the mainstream media has, has given, the legacy mainstream media has given Pothole Pete a, a free ride. They're not going to be critical of him when they should have been. And for, for quite frankly, the mainstream media should be coming to Jenny Terror's defense right now. Joe Concha says, this is how elitists who are made uncomfortable act out. And be, because the mainstream media has, has basically kissed pit, Pothole Pete's butt, he's, he never has to, I mean, he could always act in this arrogant way that I'm in charge. Oh, when I get up there, we're going to see some action done. Yeah, our people have been on the ground and they've taken control. No, they haven't. But here's the other big issue on this. Why does Pothole Pete attempt to intimidate this reporter? Listen, there's the only reason he asked to take the question, that, that, can I take your picture? Here he is, a public figure. As a public figure, she has every right to go and ask you questions. You're a public figure, and you're in the news right now, and you have blown it. It is appropriate that she finds you. The idea that, oh, you're infringing on my personal time as I take a walk with my husband. And so then she tur he turns around and he tries to intimidate her that I I I'm this big stick. I'm this big wheel. And uh, can I take your picture? Uh, Harris Faulkner is uh, basically saying this is targeting. This is unfair. This is improper. Um, Mike Davis of the Article 3 Project posted on Twitter, Dear Pete, why did you ask to take a photo of a reporter questioning you? You're a government official. She has a First Amendment right to question you on the public sidewalk. 
and you had your federal protective detail with you, so you can't claim you felt threatened. Listen, anybody, you're, quote, you're a public servant. These public servants who make money hand over fist, they all retire as millionaires, but they're public servants. Robert Starbuck, a former Republican candidate for Congress, wrote on Twitter, This is absolutely unacceptable. Every journalist and news host should take Pete Buttigieg to task for this attempt of intimidation of a journalist. Who holds him accountable and who ignores this What will say a lot about the state of the media? I, again, re remember what happened to um, Republicans when um, Donald Trump was president. And you had, uh, remember what happened to Rand Paul and his wife after uh, they had the event at the White House and Rand Paul was walking back to his uh, Washington, D.C. residence. He had to be escorted by the Washington Police Department because people were threatening his life. Remember when um, Ted Cruz and his wife tried to go into a restaurant in D.C., and he was harassed and hounded to the point that he finally just got up and left. Remember what Sarah Huckabee, he, when she was the uh, 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 press secretary for Donald Trump, uh, she took her staff out to arrest and They refused to uh, re refused to serve her. So, and and the mainstream media never came to the defense at any of those events. They never came to the defense of those people. They never made any accusation against those people who were uh, trying to well, were intimidating. And there's another other. I mean, there are numerous uh, other examples of that when conservatives were harassed. Mainstream media didn't say a thing. For for Pete Buttigieg to act as if this is harassment, when in this case. This was a reporter that had a very legitimate opportunity and, and, and took it to ask him questions. And he asks as if this is some sort of infringement on his personal time. He, he would equate what happened to him by this reporter as the same thing that happened to Rand Paul or to Ted Cruz and his wife. Uh, Pete Buttigieg, you, you are just digging your hole deeper. And it's not because you're compassionate for the people. You're not a public servant. You're an arrogant, I'll leave it that next adjective, blank. You're an arrogant individual who, feel, who feels like you're better than these poor people in East Palestine. That you're better the Jenny Terror, who asks you these questions. we got to take another time out. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Get the information you need here to be informed and stay informed. What's a song in this heart of mine? What's a smile on my face every time? Because I love a rainy night. Welcome back in. Uh, we talk about the uh, Pothole Peeps episode and the uh, train derailment. A Fox News reporter, Garrett Tenney, said he and his crew, who are covering the train derailment in East Palestine, 
Uh, they are reporting now that they are experiencing headaches, skin rashes, irritation, strong metallic taste in their mouth, symptoms affecting some people while others remain perfectly fine. Um, so these people have not been there since the beginning, but they are there reporting on the situation. No doubt they're not staying right in the area. I'm sure they're staying at a hotel or a motel somewhere within driving distance, but it's not as if some of the residents who are right there in the midst of it. Listen, if they're having issues, again, remember uh, Mike DeWine, the governor, and another a number of other officials went into a woman's house yesterday and were drinking the tap water. I'm sorry, I would not be volunteering for that. I I, I think he probably, that was not the wisest choice uh, trying to convince people that, um, you know, we're all about science. Uh, I, I'm, uh, call me a skeptic, anyway. Um, this will get your skin uh, crawling. A, group, a growing list of municipalities across the United States are looking to set up reparation programs for black residents, and some of them are considering using COVID-19 relief funds to pay for the initiatives. Critics argue that using funds from the American Rescue Plan to bankroll social, social justice initiatives are a misuse of federal taxpayer dollars, but proponents are defending the use of the pandemic money as a way to reduce disparities when it comes to housing and narrowing the wealth gap. Uh, no, this is illegal. This is misappropriation of funds, and you have no right to do this. But don't, don't worry about it. They'll do it anyway. And, and... They'll get away with it. And they'll they'll do it under. Well, listen, we have immunity. You know, we're we're an we're official. You know, we're a bureaucratic official. We're an elected official, so we're we've got this immunity, which I I don't know that that argument will hold. Fox uh, Business identified at least ten cities, states, and other counties that have recently considered using some of the reparation programs, some of the money from those programs for this purpose. Of those, at least two are proposing using the uh, funds to pay for reparations. Providence, Rhode Island has already dedicated $10 million in pandemic, re uh, pandemic relief toward creating the Providence Municipal Reparations Commission to address racial equality. Th this, is, this is illegal. This is malfeasance. This is misappropriation of funds. And yet, I, I hate to uh, be the bearer of bad news, these people are probably going to get away with this. Uh, if this was the other way around, if a conservative is misappropriating funds, do you think they get away with it? Well, you know the answer to that. Hey, we've got to take another quick time out. We'll be right back. Back to the show. It really makes you think. He is a genius. He's all powerful. He brought a kind of heat. He could be the best. Just don't hurt yourself, okay? More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Um, this is... Uh, uh, this is beyond the pale. The Washington Free Beacon is reporting Pennsylvania social workers must now determine if a newborn child should be identified as non-binary, according to the government forms reviewed by the Washington Free Beacon. So you've got a 10-day-old baby, and you can't figure out if it's male or female. Huh. 
The state's Office of Child Development and Early Learning, which funds health and social programs for young children, requires providers to report demographic information on their cases, including, since 2022, the gender identity of infants. Data collection forms from the agency now asks for newborns' gender rather than their sex and allow providers to select male, female, or gender non-binary. Providers must fill out these forms to receive funding from the office. The requirements apply to a long list of home visiting programs for children, including some that are exclusively for infants. Quote, I have to ask clients, is your 10-day-old male, female, or non-binary, said one Pennsylvania social worker who works at one of the home visiting programs funded by the agency. Those programs offer an array of services from nursing and therapy to child neglect interventions and serve children of all ages, not just newborns. In response to a detailed inquiry from the Free Beacon, Pennsylvania Department of Human Service which houses the Office of Child Development, downplayed the requirement. Quote, this is a field for data collection, Ali Fogarty said, the department's communication director. There is no directive or expectation that parents be verbally or explicitly asked if their parents are (laughs) non-binary. But if you don't, you're not going to get any funding. Uh, I would say that would... uh, say that there is a directive or an expectation. And if it's not a big deal, then why ask? Why is it on the form? Listen, the questions, which were just updated in August on these forms, so, I mean, this is, again, this is, if it hadn't been there for the last number of decades, why all of a sudden is it included? Because this is a part of the push to teach young people about gender identity and the practice of affirming children who identify as transgender. That practice is not a neutral act. A review by England's National Health Service concluded that very thing last year. This is an active intervention that can lock in trans identity, promoting the distress it's meant to alleviate. Again, this listen, you've got little kids, and this it's happened. Every family in this country, at some point in time, there was a question by a, a child: Am I a little boy or a little girl? What's the difference? You know, why does my sister not have this and I have this? You know that you know that what was been said. This is a push to act as if that is a reasonable. Uh, discussion as to uh, the final outcome of is this individual, this child, this baby, this infant actually have uh, transgenderism. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. And yet a government entity is pushing. Hey, we got to run. We'll do it again tomorrow. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody.